Change your rhythm. Change your life. Hypnotic Rhythm Podcast. Welcome to Episode 2 of Hypnotic Rhythm Podcast, the podcast about all things hypnosis. I'm Craig Peshek, and I am here with Larry Garrett, my good friend and hypnotist extraordinaire. How are you today, Larry? Well, great. Great today, Craig. We're excited because this is our second podcast, and how exciting to move on. That's right. We're going to talk today about some of the magic words of hypnosis. There's lots of magic words to hypnosis, but these are just going to be some of the magic words that you might want to consider thinking about in your first experience when you're first introducing someone to hypnosis or if you're experiencing hypnosis as a client for the first time. Some words that are very important that can make all the difference in the experience that you have in your hypnosis. So we're going to start with the word empathy. We had empathy on podcast one, but we didn't finish our discussion, which I think is probably going to happen a lot with us. We're going to carry a lot of things. That's right. We We ramble. We do. We get off on different directions, but that's okay because we'll give you a lot of information when we do that. And that's when the fun and and the real true experiences come out when you get the, the real secrets when we do that. So let's start with empathy. There's a couple of things that I wanted to go back to. One of the things was uh, you started to tell a story and some of the feedback we got was, oh, I never heard that story. I haven't told that story. So if I'll set it up for you. And I know I can, Larry, th- this is cold for you. You don't know, <laughs> you don't know okay. where I'm going with everything. I don't know where you're going, but I'll follow you. Okay. It was the story of when you were in Aurora. It was after you had come back from Iraq and you had a briefcase full of items that you had brought back from Iraq and you were going to Aurora to do a TV show on public television and you were walking, the the parking lot was across from the studio and you were walking over a bridge. Sounds like you were with me. I heard (laughs) this story. I listened well. So I I set you up from there. So if you want to explain from there, because we were talking about empathy and how this experience probably saved you from getting robbed by expressing empathy to someone. That's right. That's right. That's a good story. And, and of course, I think as you go through time with good consciousness, you have many stories of empathy. You know, recently uh, somebody said to me on a post about love is the way, or everybody has love in them. That's what they said. Everybody has love in them. And I said, yes, even I met the most hated man in the world, the the greatest terrorist in the world. And there were times we'd sit and talk and I'd hear love coming out of him. And he knew that I heard that love. So this love is powerful and you use empathy with love for somebody else. I almost feel we're inventing this as we go along, Craig, but uh, I admire what you're doing. I'm excited to hear you put this together. So if we have love, it's easier to have empathy. If we don't have love, then it's easier for us to judge. You know, just it's easier to say, oh, that guy was terrible. How many times have I heard how terrible this man Uday Hussein was? But I spent 20 days with him, 20 full days with him, not each day all full, but a few hours each day, 20 different days, and I got to know the guy well. So I used empathy with him. But I don't want to lose a story you shared with the listening people. Okay, so I'm in Aurora, and it's dusk. It's around, it's around fall, and it's dusk, and it's around 6.30, 7 o'clock, and it's getting dark. And if you know Aurora, there's many streets that go across the Fox River. And the railings on these bridges that go across the river 
I'm going to guess they're maybe three feet high. They're not very high. Maybe like as high as this table. Probably not the code in today's world. If you sat on them, it'd be dangerous. You might fall into the water. But that's about how high they are, at least in my exaggeration. So I'm walking across the river, and I had to park my car on one side. And uh, you know me, I'm Mr. Casual. I seldom wear a tie, but I was going to be on TV. I put a tie on, I had a sport jacket on, and nice pants, and not that they really cared, but I wanted to dress up for this TV program. So I'm walking on the west, uh, the north side of the bridge, and to an angle we call kitty corner, I don't know where that phrase came from, kitty corner to me, are these two guys, two young guys, and I see them kind of checking things out. I, if, I wish that who's listening to us could see me. They're checking us out, and they're looking, they're looking around, they're looking around. So immediately in my peripheral vision, I use great peripheral vision with everything I do, I notice this, and I say, oh, looks like I got a little challenge here. Because I knew that something was going on, plus I felt the energies. When you wear empathy, use empathy, you have great awareness. So I see these two guys checking things out, and this one person, he comes walking across the street at a very quick pace. Not quite running, but quick enough that he's in a hurry. The other guy, I could see him in my peripheral vision, still looking around, checking out. Now, Aurora, this is about a block from the casino. Mm -hmm. I can't recall what street. Sixth, I don't know. So Aurora is kind of like a ghost town at night, downtown Aurora. There's nobody around. Right. Nobody around. I don't even know how these people get to the TV station, but there's nobody around. And these two guys know there's nobody around, just me. So here comes Larry strolling along. I'm kind of a spacer, you know. I don't, you know, like we said in one of my podcasts, I live life in my fantasy world of daydreaming. So I'm daydreaming, but I become aware real quick. Ooh, do I become aware. Like when I was in Baghdad, I was very aware every step I took. Not with anxiety, not with stress, with awareness of consciousness. Conscious awareness is good. If you could stay and maintain a calmness in your consciousness and be aware, your awareness is clearer than when you're anxious. Because when you're anxious, you distort your vision. It's sort of like you put a fog over what you're seeing. I'm not scared. These two guys are here. I'm not scared yet, I might put in it yet. So this one guy runs over, walks over real quick, and he stands in front of me, close. You know, we say an NLP, like three foot is a good distance. Anything closer is intimate. Mm -hmm. He's a little closer than three foot. And while he's speaking as a therapist of many years, I sense he's really anxious. And I learned a lesson with every experience of life. And in this lesson, I learned that when a person's up to no good, they are anxious. When a person's going to shoot somebody, when a person's going to rob somebody, when a person's going to break into somebody's house, they have a high level of anxiety, unless they're a sociopath, and maybe they don't know, but in most cases, they are anxious. Mm -hmm. So he's anxious, and I could tell, and he starts jiving me. 
And he starts this talk that makes no sense. And he says, hey, man, I've been thinking about this all day, man, and I was really concerned, and I was wondering, you know, all day long I've had these thoughts in my mind. And what he's really attempting to do is confuse me. Well, I learned a skill many years ago, Craig, when I used to smoke cigarettes. Take a hit on that cigarette. You could do anything. So I started smoking my imaginary cigarette in my mind. I started breathing. That slow, and deep I, breath. That slow, deep breath. And I kept on looking in his eyes and looking in his eyes and letting him drive me because nothing's wrong yet. So why think with anxiety something's going to be wrong? He could have flipped me over that railing in a second. My biggest concern was I didn't want to lose all my toys and artifacts from Baghdad. <laughs> this bag, there was nothing in there except stuff from Baghdad, souvenirs. And, Which uh, were priceless to you. Priceless. Yeah. Still. Still mm -hmm. priceless. And so uh, he's jiving me, and, and I, I'm taking my time with the story, but the story probably took a matter of minutes, mm -hmm. matter of minutes. So I looked in his eyes, and I put my hand on his shoulder, and I said, if you've been thinking about this all day, I wouldn't worry about it because everything's going to be okay. So you have a wonderful day. I need to move on as I've got to go somewhere, but I wish you well, and I was glad to meet you. He paused. He said, oh, okay, thank you, man. Thank you. It's good to meet you, too. Thank you. And he walked back across the street, and I think I've shared with you, and I share with everybody listening. To this day, I'm curious, what did he tell his partner? He was there for no good. His partner's still looking around, looking around, and now you could tell his partner is shocked because he's coming back, and I'm walking away. Yeah. Something happened here. So I remember that. I remember that well. I've dealt with many, many murder or killers or murders and, and bad people. But they're not bad people. They just do bad things. And uh, I have many stories of dealing with people who are not so nice to society but inside are the same loving person as you or me. And just your ability to express that empathy, to keep your coolness, first of all, in the moment, which was your breath and your breath work and staying in the moment, which are all things that we're going to talk about on another podcast. Because if we go off on that tangent, we're not going to be able to get back to empathy because there's so many wonderful things about breath work and staying in the moment, as we both know. But just expressing a little bit of empathy probably saved you. Yeah. Saved, at least saved you from getting robbed, maybe yeah. beaten, maybe even thrown off the bridge yeah. since, the, since the railings were so low. And that's just a lesson in life is that expressing empathy and that person feeling empathy from you may have changed his whole mindset on what he was going to do. It confused the crap out of him, obviously. But may, it may have changed his whole life. It may have. May have yeah. changed his whole life. Yeah. You know, I might share also, you know this and others who know me know this. I'm a pretty soft, sensitive guy. Uh, I've never been in a fight. Never. I've never had anybody fight me. I always had this fear that if I got in a fight, I would hurt them. And I didn't want to hurt anybody. Mm -hmm. Or they would hurt me, and I didn't want to be hurt. So somehow I wore a consciousness, even as a little boy, even when I was bullied. When I was bullied, I would make myself invisible. I remember having a job downtown when I was 16 years old, and I would ride a Madison Street bus back many years ago, 16 years old. And I would go sit in the back of the bus, and I would pretend like I was invisible. And I did that every day for as long as I had this job, or maybe a year or whatever kids have jobs. I never once had an encounter. 
and Madison Street at that time was going through some pretty sensitive areas. Mm -hmm. So I say this, I say, if we wear peace, I believe we'll be okay. And if I'm wrong, call me a liar. Wear peace, but keep your awareness, your conscious always awareness. Always have the awareness. Right, always right. have the awareness. I miss yeah. nothing. I miss nothing, really. I don't. I'm a spacer. I'm a, I live my life with imaginations, but I'm always aware. Mm -hmm. Imagine walking through Baghdad with people sure. knowing you're an American, walking through Baghdad and people checking you out. I wasn't there to protect myself. I didn't carry any mace or gun or anything. I just knew to wear this energy that I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. Yeah. Situational awareness is very important I for safety. I have one more. Let's yeah, do one more. Okay. One more. Just came to me. All right. I'm in Nassau, Bahamas, many years ago. Mm -hmm. And I stayed at a place called Cable Beach, and I would walk to town every day. I was with another person, but we never connected. We never were together, so I'd walk to town. And walking to town, I'd go past these areas where a lot of celebrities and very wealthy people had these big mansions. And they would have these big guard dogs and probably had these invisible fences. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. These guard dogs would run around the parameters barking at you with a viciousness. And I remember walking by this one huge mansion, looking it over, and all of a sudden, here comes this big black pit bull right at me. And in my mind, and probably orally also, I said, oh, wait, I'm okay, I'm okay. You know, I'm a friend of Margie's. Margie was my dog at the time. Mm -hmm. I'm a friend of Margie's. Everything's okay. <laughs> and the dog stopped and looked at me, tail wagged, and he walked away. I still believe he heard me. Huh? Just a story. I believe in this crazy stuff. <laughs> and it works. You've it works. You've it works. been living well. Yeah, so it works. I haven't thought of that story in a long time, but that's yeah. a good one. I remember it well. I have a similar experience, a story. My wife and I were in, uh, we were on St. Martin on the French side, and we were staying in Anse Marcel, this little area of, uh, on the north part of the island. And the person who we were staying in a, a bed and breakfast and the person whose bed and breakfast we were staying in came from France. He was a, a great man, very kind he was one of the first people to develop that side of the island. And he owned a lot of land there. And this, they're still recovering from the hurricane. This is just a couple of years ago. So they were recovering from the hurricane. And we were trying to get to this beach called Ducks Beach that we had tried to get to three different trips. And it's just hard to get to. You, you got to hike and put on a backpack and do the thing. So we found out that he actually owned the land to get there. Oh. And on the way there, you encounter dogs. He has dogs running oh, around. Yeah. So we said, well, what about the dogs? He said, ah, just walk past them. They won't bother you. Now, they're vicious looking, and they yeah. bark and bark, but he said, ah, just walk past them, and that's what we did. We just had the consciousness, and it was, we could have done that at any time. We could have walked past them, but once we had his consciousness in our mind, yes. of, oh, well, they won't bother us. Yes. They didn't bother us. Because you walked with the intent, intent we spoke of, mm -hmm. the intent that they were okay. What if you were up to no good? They yeah. would have known. They could feel that we- Consciousness of a dog. Yeah. You talk about that a lot. Yeah, the silent power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, so before we get too far off of this. Yeah, we can uh, get carried away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about another comment that you made, and I kind of missed it. And then hearing the podcast again, uh, it was something that I think is very important. And it'll take us into the, some of the other magic words. When we're talking about general hypnosis and consciousness and unconsciousness or subconscious mind taking over, you said that you believe that the subconscious or unconscious mind 
controls more of our day, more of our life than the conscious mind does. Yes, yes. hundred yeah. to one. And I thought about that. You tell me. And I thought about how right you are. Tell me. Every time when we speak, like you use the example, I'm moving my hands right now. No one can see us because we're just doing audio yeah. podcasts. How far are you moving them? How far do you think you want? How far do you want to move them? Ten inches? Nine inches? Mm-hmm. And it just happens. Yeah. I'm not even thinking about it. Putting one foot in front of the other. You don't consciously think when you're walking through the hall, let me move my right foot, let me move my left. That's all non, we'll call it yeah. non-conscious. You yeah. use that term and I like that because I believe subconscious and unconscious are two different parts other of the mind. Other than conscious. Yeah, other than conscious. That's there you good. go. So yeah, so there's other parts of the mind that take yeah. control. So many times, you yeah. said, a hundred times yeah. to one, the other than conscious yeah. part yeah. of our brain is in control of what we're doing. Yeah, yeah and I say a hundred to one. I used to say ten to one. The more I studied it, the more I realized, no, this is a lot more. There's so little in this logical conscious mind. And when we start using that logical conscious mind to take care of life, the subconscious mind is listening to what you're telling it. So when you say, oh, that'll never work, and the subconscious mind hears that and says, okay. Right. That's it. And the subconscious mind hears it literally, too. Literally. It which won't is work. Something we're going to talk about again with a couple of the magic words in a moment. But, yeah, it, it's amazing how much, if you consider it, you are not in control or at least not consciously thoughtful of what you're doing. Your breath, your heartbeat, when you digest, when you chew, all these things just happen. You can call them habits or routines, whatever it is. But it, what it honestly is is the other than conscious parts of the mind are taking over. What if we were? And somewhat controlled, like when the two guys were in some way up to an uncomfortable feeling with me. And instead of losing control, called anxiety, mm -hmm. anxiety implies we're doing something about it, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Explain that a little yeah, bit. Okay. Anxiety implies that sure, we're doing something sure. about it. Sure. If we say, what if, what if this building starts on fire? Then we could prepare because if it starts on fire, we could run out real fast. You see, mm -hmm. so we're preparing. I often say fears are there to protect us. Right. If we have a fear of high places, we'll never fall off of a roof because you'll never go. Yeah. Right. And if we have anger, oh, nobody'll mess with me. And if we have depression, oh my God, I'm so depressed, I don't even want to go to work today. So all three of those emotions serve a positive purpose, purpose to the subconscious mind, not the logical mind. Mm -hmm. So when we logically say, well, I'm not going to be scared to building to start on fire. But if that fear is already inside because we've had a fire, I had a fire in my home once and I remember it well, once you have a fire in your home, you always... I smell smoke. You smell the smoke? I always tell Mike, you smell something, Mike? And so it's not a paranoia. It's a memory like hearing a song play that was significant to us when we were younger. Right. So, uh, there's rational, helpful uses to all of those emotions, like you said. If you're afraid of getting bit by a rattlesnake and you're walking through the desert you're in Arizona, but, but that's a good awareness to have, right? That's a, it's a reasonable fear. If yeah. you're walking through the city of Chicago and you're yeah. afraid of getting bit by a rattlesnake, yeah. That's when it becomes an issue that you have to yeah. correct. You yeah. have to adjust. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I wanted to bring this up. This is my own insight that I wanted to share. So I talked a little bit in the first podcast when we talked about the different cultures and empathy, just understanding different cultures and where people come from, right? I said that, you know, in the, in the Western culture, in the Westerns, the old Westerns, the good guys wore white and the bad guys wore black, Black Bart and all that. And in the Eastern culture, specifically in the Asian culture, it's different, right? In, in the Western culture, we wear black for mourning. In the 
Eastern culture, they wear white for mourning. At funerals and wakes, they, they wear white. We wear black. The Taoism and all good, there's bad and all bad, there's good. And that actual symbol, the white represents the bad and the black represents the good. So it's very different culture culturally. So understanding where people come from is very important. And there was a lesson that I learned, and this kind of also touches on another point that you made when you said we talked about Henry David Thoreau's uh, everyone is innately good and, and they become bad through experience. NYPD Blue, which is a, an yeah. old show. <laughs> There's so many good one-liners in yeah. there. There's an episode where the police that investigate the police says to, to one of the officers, I know that every, everyone's not good all the time and everyone's not bad all the time. Everything is a situation. It's the situation that they're put in that makes them good or bad and how they react to that. And I just thought that, that was, that's powerful, too, is mm. to understand that someone who's coming from a certain place might act in a different way and go, how could they do that? Well, they did that because their understanding and their experience is different than yours. That's why they did it. So understanding that is empathy, understanding, seeing why people do things the way they do. Or what or if what. I were that person? Mm -hmm. Now I could begin to use empathy if I were that person. Right. You know, another m murderer that I hypnotized many years ago in the 80s killed somebody. Shame on him. He's a murderer. But after hearing the story, it created an awareness to me that even a murderer, a killer, has a reason for what they do. So it doesn't make it right, sociologically speaking. What it makes is it makes it a necessity, or as you said, an understanding at that moment of what they needed to do. Mm -hmm. So somebody's robbing a convenience store, and he's got the gun aimed at the person, and he says, give me your money. And the guy reaches under the counter, and the guy with the gun thinks he's going to ring an alarm, and he might get caught. He's going to reactively shoot that guy behind the counter to keep from getting caught. So I don't think he shot that guy and says, oh, I'd like to kill somebody. You know, Johnny Cash has a song about Folsom Prison. I love and Johnny Cash. Yeah, me yeah. too. Me too. And he's got great stories, and he says, I shot a man just to watch him die. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's an interesting statement. Yet he would sang that at Folsom Prison, and you heard the audience resonate with that. It would be difficult for me to shoot a person just to watch them die. But we don't know everybody's consciousness, so right. we have to accept that some people would shoot somebody just to watch them die. And again, empathy is not agreeing with or no. excusing behavior. It is only understanding why someone does what they do or did what they have done so that you can help them mm -hmm. and help them. Oh, why would you want to help someone who's a murderer? Well, you want to mm -hmm. help them so that it doesn't happen again. Sure. And everyone has something to offer to this world, and if you mm -hmm. can help them get there, then that's, mm -hmm. that's our jobs. In understanding the good word, Craig, because understanding is more than knowing why he killed the person or shot the person. Right. So understanding why is the empathy because I said, okay, if I were in that position, what would I do? Right. And we talked about the different kinds of empathies on the last, last podcast. Yeah. We won't get into them, but okay. there's several, five different kinds of empathy that we added two of our own. And Dan, we were talking a little bit about manipulative empathy is, is the title that we gave it. So one of the things that I wanted to bring up too is that 
when you empathize with someone, it's easiest to empathize with someone that you identify with, right? It's a psychological fact that it's easiest to identify with someone, to empathize with someone that you identify with. So the challenge for hypnotists and for people who really want to live empathy is becoming empathetic to people who you don't identify with, people that you disagree with. And again, this doesn't mean that you're agreeing with them. It just means that you're understanding why they think what they think, why they've done what they've done, or why they do what they do. And once you get to that understanding, you're on a different level. You're on an equal playing field. That would be my analogy of it. But you can help. You can work together. You can meet in the middle. You can help each other to correct. If you don't know why someone's doing bad things, you can't help them. If you don't know why someone's smoking, you can't help them. But if we know a little history, you know, I'm admiring right now your wisdom as you're speaking. I'm sitting here listening to you, and I'm saying, yes, you've got great strength in that wisdom because to understand them refrains from judging them. If uh, you don't wear empathy, then you wear judgment. If you wear judgment, then you make a wall. If you make a wall, you can't see who they are. If you can't see who they are, then you don't know. You know, my feelings are empathy creates wisdom. If we have empathic awareness and energies, that's why we do a pre-talk on hypnosis, you know. And I don't know, I think your pre-talks are like mine. They take a while. I, I do not look at my watch. I don't even wear one, but I don't look at my watch when I'm doing a pre-talk because I don't want to say like the proverbial story in a, in a movie with the person sitting in the therapist's office and a psychiatrist or therapist looks at his watch and says, okay, time's up, we'll cover that next week. And the person's right in the middle of something important. I, I don't want that to happen because we cannot have empathy if we say, time's up. Right. I just remembered something tragic that happened. Oh, great. Next let's week. talk about that next week. <laughs> so let's leave empathy there. Okay. Uh, we've, we've gone a little over yeah, on yeah, this a segment. More. Okay. But, but we'll, we'll talk again. Empathy is something that is so tied into helping people, so tied into improvement and hypnosis. So we'll get back to empathy at another episode. But let's step away just for a quick minute. We'll take a break, give everyone a chance to take a breath, and we'll be right back take with Hypnotic breath. Rhythm. <sighs> Breathe well. Change your rhythm, change your life. Hypnotic Rhythm Podcast. If you have any comments or questions, Larry and I would love to hear from you. To contact us, please go to GarrettWellnessCenter.com. That's G-A-R-R-E-T-T WellnessCenter.com. Click on the practitioner tabs and you'll find all the information to contact both Larry and myself. Craig, get us any comments, any questions. We'd love to hear from you. Larry has a collection of some amazing short and inspirational videos up on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find them just by searching his name, Larry Garrett. There is an especially important one relative to the conversations we're having right here on this podcast called It's All About Trust. I recommend that you listen to that and his other inspirational videos. They are wonderful, short, and they're inspirational. Intentional breathing can be a magical practice. It helps to silence the mind and to create stillness within the body. I highly recommend 
intentional breathing with three minutes of stillness at least once a day and as many times a day as you can do. If you can do three minutes of stillness every hour, you will find that your life can be changed. Just quiet your mind. Create a stillness in your body, some deep, slow breaths. There's a number of different breathing exercises that you can utilize to get your mind into a wonderful place, to get your body into a relaxed state, and to allow the body and mind to work together to do the amazing things that it's capable of that so often we don't allow it to do. Three minutes of stillness a day, three minutes of stillness an hour. Work on it. It will change your life. Change your rhythm. Change your life. Hypnotic Rhythm Podcast. Welcome back. We hope that everyone took some nice deep breaths, relaxed, and got into a nice quiet state of mind. Now we're going to talk about some magical words of hypnosis. Now, Larry, there's so many magical words in hypnosis, so many words that can take you to some magical places. Although hypnosis is not magic, it's science but it is magical. Is that fair to say? You've heard me say what magic is to the vision, hypnosis is to the mind. Yes. So it's magic for the mind. Wonderful analogy. Mm -hmm. That's great. So we're going to talk about a couple of words, pairs of words that we both, I think, use often. We're going to start with your two. I think that these are two of your most important words when when it comes to hypnosis. Correct me if I'm wrong. And again, I'm not prepared. You're not prepared for this. I'm just nope. bringing these to nope. you as we're going I along. I wing it. Right. So trust and allow. Mm. Tell me about how important those two words are mm. for hypnosis, for on both the client side mm. and on the hypnotist side. You probably see an emotion flare into my eyes as I hear those words. Certainly do. It's, uh, they're both words that we refuse to use in our society that we don't trust and we don't allow. And they belong together to me. If we trust, then we allow. And if we allow, then we could trust. So I use the analogy of a, of a bungee jump. And I say to the person listening to me right now, if you've ever thought about a bungee jump, you have to trust that that bungee cord's not going to break. Now you walk to the edge of the cliff you stand on the cliff, and if you trust the bungee cord won't break, then you will allow yourself to step off the cliff. But if you don't trust that bungee cord, then you can't allow. And if you don't allow, you can't trust. So my feelings are is those two words can run more power in your life than any two words I know. I, I say this to the person listening to me right now. I'd like you to just for a moment, maybe close your eyes if you're not driving, if you're driving, doesn't matter. Just feel this word, trust. Maybe somebody you trust, something you trust. Maybe your dog, maybe your spouse. Something that you could wear, trust. Maybe it's God, trust. Now you have this feeling of trust in your consciousness. Now I say to you as you're listening to me, what can you do with that feeling? There's the power of trust. Because the answer is anything. I have no limitations if I trust. None. None. And you say, Larry, you're so naive. You're right. And you spoke last time in the last podcast. You mentioned Joseph Murphy's book, and it was about something different. But the way that you're describing this right now reminds me 
of so much of the premise of Joseph Murphy's book on you have to trust. You have to put the idea into your subconscious mind and you have to trust that it's going to happen. You have to have faith. He uses the word faith a lot, but that's what it is. It's trust. And when you walk into hypnotic experience, and uh, using the hypnotic experience term, meaning whether you're a hypnotist who is about to bring someone into hypnosis or whether you're a client about to experience hypnosis or whether you're doing self-hypnosis, you have to trust that it will work. You have to trust that it's going to take you to the right place. Both, both. Mm -hmm. The hypnotist has to wear trust that I'm going to be able to help this person. I've heard often the word from a hypnotist say, well, let's see if this will work. Right. Let's give it a try to get you to quit smoking. Mm -hmm. And try. We're going to get to try soon, too, because a, a lot of clients come in. Good I segue. Say, we're going to be smoke-free at the end of the day. Oh, I'm going to try. Uh, you've already have. We'll get to that. Let's not jump ahead. We'll get to try. Let's stick with trust and allow. So, so trust is such an important word for many different reasons in hypnosis, but it's also in life. You speak a lot about creating things in, in your mind, right? Your image boards and things like that. I create like everything that. in my mind, right. yes. And trust is part of that process. If you don't trust, it's going to happen. If you just, I really want this to happen. Like this building that we're sitting in right now, the Garrett Wellness mm -hmm. Center. You, in your mind, created this building, created this design, created this place long before you ever had the building. That's right. And you trusted. Three years maybe before. Mm -hmm. And you trusted that it was going to happen. Yeah. And my accountant said to me, Patty, Patty Vasquez, she's my sole reason I'm here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not really. Also yourself and Sally and many others. But uh, she said, well, if you think you could do it, I trust you can do it. She said that to me. Mm -hmm. So that little motivation was good because she's known me 35 years or so. She says, every time you think of something, you create it. She told me that. And I thought, yeah, yeah. Now, remember, we, we don't need to walk around with ego and say, look how great I am. I create everything I think of. We all do. Right. We all do. You say, I can't do that. You just created. You can't do it. That's it. That's the end of that. You'll never, my, I remember my dad saying to my mom, Rose, you'll never believe what your son's done this time. Mm -hmm. And I always think about that phrase. What they're really saying is, my God, what's he up to this time? <laughs> but we have 8,000 square feet here of a raw, empty building that used to be a bar, and this place is like a temple now. And for somebody who's listening to us, you come and visit us. You'll see this is a magical place. So trust is important in hypnosis. Trust is important in life in creating things for yourself. Trust is also important in trusting that you're going to get through something, trusting that you're going to make the improvement that you're trying to make in hypnosis. You have to trust that it works. You have to trust the hypnotist. You have to, there's a lot of trust. So I, I'd like to bring up to you, Craig, because I, again, respect your, your knowledge and wisdom right now and think how well-read you are. And like mentioning Murphy, I, I read him in the 60s. Mm -hmm. uh, and I say, so how do you create trust? Take that one for a ride. If you were a person raised, abused as a child, mm -hmm. ripped off by other people, uh, uh, in some way molested or hurt, how do you trust? Yeah. It's something that's deep, deep inside of you. 
I have answers for it, by the way. You know, when I ask a question, I usually already have an answer okay. for it. Yeah. Sometimes the way you yeah. look at me, I'm like, yeah. 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 Larry's waiting for me yeah. to come up yeah. with this one. Yeah, yeah. I thought maybe, <laughs> you know, you, you're the person listening to me right now, sure. like the person that's listening to our podcast. So the person listening to our podcast said, yeah, those two guys, they talk a big stuff. But uh, so how do we begin to trust if we've never trusted? You know, I was seriously abused as a young boy. Bullied. I wasn't abused mm -hmm. physically. I mean, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. I was abused mentally. I think emotional abuse sometimes is pretty strong. The scars sure it is. don't show in your body. And uh, I've learned to trust. And a lot of times physical abuse, you know that it's abuse. It's sometimes yep. uh, emotional abuse, mental know. abuse. You don't even realize that it's mm -hmm. happened to you until mm -hmm. you discover, yeah. I have this issue. Where did it come from? Yeah. So I, I say to you, and I say to the person that's listening to us right now, I say, so you think about whatever your history and your background is. If you want to learn how to trust, then it's like learning how to play a piano to me. That's, of course, where hypnosis comes in because that helps. But let's pretend you could think of one fraction of your life that you trust. Maybe your spouse, maybe your son. Maybe your dog, you trust something. Now you feel that trust, and you memorize that feeling. You memorize it. Uh, recently, uh, one of our uh, lawfers here, Elias, was going to do a treatment, but he was leaving out of town. He said, I'll see you when I come back. I said, yeah, I'm going to get my shoulders up a little bit because I was walking a little over. And he says, just think behind you. Don't try and lift your shoulders up. That's uncomfortable. Just think behind you. I thought, wow. Well, think of what I'm saying. So if I think behind me, I bring my body's attention behind me, don't I? Yeah, right? we yeah. both did. As you said that, I was yeah. like, what are you talking about? Then as soon as I got it, I was like, ah, yeah. Right. And it's a powerful word. Mm -hmm. So now I've been walking, and I like to walk past the store window and see my body's hunched over mm -hmm. like an old man. And then I think behind me, and all of a sudden I look 30 years younger. So I'm going to say trust is the same way. Memorize the feeling, and every opportunity you have, go back to that feeling. I don't care what it is. Two guys that are going to rob you on the bridge, if it's going to be walking through a terrorist community, wear the feeling of trust. Just memorize it. And where? That's how you would learn trust. Take it from someplace in your life where you've experienced it. Yes. And where you know it's positive. Yes. And you know it's done well for you. It's yes. gotten you to a good place Whatever in your it was. Life. Whatever one it was. Spot. One spot. One spot. And then just create that experience, the emotions that came with it. Yes. And whenever you are in a, in a spot where you don't have it, just go back to that. Right. Yeah. Right. You need to memorize the feeling, though. See, it's memorizing Correct. the feeling. Memorizing gotcha. the feeling is like hearing a song play that was significant to you when you were 16 years old. You've mm -hmm. memorized that feeling. So every time you feel trust, you feel trust, you feel trust, you feel trust, pretty soon the brain starts feeling trust. Now you say, well, what if I'm in a place where I don't trust? Your brain will know it right away. Mm -hmm. I always say that when we're children, we pretend to be our heroes. That's right. Right. This idea came from, I always love to give credit where to do, Robert Kiyosaki's books. Right? Robert Kiyosaki, the rich dad, poor dad guy. He said uh, in one of the books, 
we should continue to be our heroes as we become adults. It will do good for us. And it's true. Sometimes when I'm in an uncomfortable situation where I'm doing public speaking or something like that, I'll just, in my mind, imagine that I'm someone who I look up to. I'm, I'm Winston Churchill or Ronald Reagan or uh, one, another great speaker. And those people were very charismatic, regardless of how you feel about their political views. They were charismatic speakers. Yes. And you just imagine that you're one of those people. Yes. And you can just bubble up and you just do do the thing whatever it is if you're at a bar and you're somewhere and you're trying to to uh pick up a date you yeah. just pretend you're james bond right yeah. feel, yes. feel you're james bond and just feel that confidence and all of that yeah. and that makes all the difference in the world confidence is sexy yeah yeah, yeah. to some people <laughs> everyone yeah. has their yeah. own preference but, but you think about this true confidence so we're talking about charisma yes. because boy we could do another podcast on just charisma boy i would love to spend an hour with you talking about charisma because I've studied this energy called charisma and you wonder why you go and spend $400 to have the front row seats to hear a, a musician play or a singer sing when you could go get the album for free on Amazon. Another podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. Oh, we have so many podcasts. We were going to have to be doing this for about two years just to get the topics that we've kind of touched on in our first podcast and a half. So mm -hmm. stay tuned every month. We're coming to you with a new topic on hypnotic. That sounds rhythm. great to me. All right. So we're going to move on to allow the word allow. Okay. And I had a client just the other day who came in and she has a medical background. And again, we respect greatly HIPAA and, and we're not going to share information about mm. personal information, but we do share some uh, of the experiences that come with clients. We and need this, to, to learn. Yes, we need to, to learn and to share with you so that you understand and uh, either as a hypnotist or a client. So I had a client, she came to me from a medical background. And one of the things I always explain in the pre-talk is this hypnotic, the hypnotic rhythm or the hypnotic uh, trance, or how, whatever you refer to it as. Let's stay with rhythm for now. This, will, this way we will lock that word in okay. as belonging to Craig and Larry. <laughs> right, sounds good to me. Copyrighted. No one else can use it. Yes. Hypnotic rhythm. In order to get there, you do not have to try, which is another word we're going to use. All you have to do is allow. Allow. We actually spoke about it on this podcast. The non-conscious mind is in control so much more than the conscious mind. And hypnosis is just focusing on that non-conscious mind and allowing the conscious mind to quiet. Right? So allowing it to happen is all you have to do. You don't have to force it. So this person came from a medical background, and at the end of the session, she's like, oh, I, I just couldn't get there. I couldn't get there. I said, did you relax? No, I just kept trying and trying. I said, no, you, you don't try. You just relax and allow. Mm -hmm. So then we did another brief session, and I said, just relax now. I, want you to, I don't want you to try. Allow this to happen. Trust it's going to work, step one, and then allow yourself to relax and allow yourself to slip away. And I think that the second time made all the difference in the world. Wonderful. And I hear your words. Trust that it's going to work and allow it. Mm -hmm. And then you could reverse it and say, now allow this to work. And the, tr and the trust will come in. Mm -hmm. it's, they're going to feed each other. They just keep feeding each other these two words. Right. And allow reminds me of this one. I think about, well, you mentioned Murphy's book, but one of them, 100 years ago, a hypnotist would have a client stand in front of them to their back to the hypnotist and say, close your eyes now and fall backwards and I'm going to catch you. How far you would allow yourself to fall would determine how well you're going to respond to the hypnosis. 
Today we have other techniques, of course, so we don't have people fall in on the floor. But the real issue is many people will not allow themselves to fall because they're not trusting you'll catch them. So right. There you go. And that's why that word pair goes together so well with hypnosis. So for a client or for a hypnotist or for someone doing self-hypnosis, you have to trust that it will work. You have to allow yourself to get there. And then the trust will come with the allowing, and the allowing will come with the trust. It's hand in hand. So as you say that, Craig, and for the person that's listening to us right now, think of what you just said, and imagine you could do that. Imagine you could trust, and imagine you could allow. Now imagine how your life's going to change. Mm-hmm. Powerful. Powerful. Incredibly powerful. powerful. You get to so many places with that yeah. mindset. Powerful. All right, so now that we are trusting that Larry and Craig are doing bringing us in the right direction. Now we're going to allow it to happen. Okay, Larry. So uh, I think it's time to take a break. What do you say we take a break? Yes, yes. We allow our listeners to take some breath. Yeah. And they trust us to come back with some very interesting discussion on the magical words of intention, focus, try, and not, and don't. We'll be right back. Sure. Change your rhythm. Change your life. Hypnotic Rhythm Podcast. If you have an issue that you'd like to address via hypnosis, a bad habit, a goal that you'd like to achieve, or just to increase your focus and relaxation, feel free to contact us at GarrettWellnessCenter.com to set up an appointment. We have a number of practitioners. Each practitioner has their own way of presenting hypnosis to a client. So find someone that fits with your needs. Call Sally up at the Garrett Wellness Center or go to GarrettWellnessCenter.com. Don't miss a single episode of Hypnotic Rhythm, the podcast about all things hypnosis. Make sure that you hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. Please leave comments, questions. We'd love to reply to you, and we would love to hear your feedback. If you know someone who this podcast might help with an issue that they're going through, or know someone who just might enjoy this podcast, please share it with them. If you are ready to experience hypnosis and address an issue or a goal and you're not in the Chicagoland area, you can go to NGH.net. That's the National Guild of Hypnotists. And click on the Find a Hypnotist tab on the home page. There you can find a number of certified hypnotists in your area. If this doesn't work for you, you can Google search someone. Just make sure that they come with high credentials. Make sure that they come with high recommendations and good feedback. There are many different kinds of hypnosis. Find something that works for you, a style that you enjoy, that you're comfortable with. Hypnosis can make an amazing positive change in your life if you just trust and allow and find the right hypnotist that you are comfortable with. Change your rhythm. Change your life. Hypnotic Rhythm Podcast. All right, welcome back to Hypnotic Rhythm, the podcast about all things hypnosis. We were talking about magical words of hypnosis. Let's talk about intention and focus. 
which are actually two important words in the session when you're actually having a session when you're actually experiencing mm -hmm. hypnosis yeah. the intention is your purpose your goal not necessarily your goal your long-term goal but the goal for the session it's what you're focusing on to me it's an internal communication of is that's my intent not my goal only not my thought only not my feeling not my emotional desire it is as though it's happened. Right. Yes. Intention. Intent. What's your intent? I use that often with, with people that sit in my office and I'll say, okay, you want to lose weight, but what's your intent? Right. In the yeah. Losing weight is the goal. That's the goal. The intention is to feel good. Uh, I'll use as an example. The intention is to feel good about yourself yes. and having a good energy mm -hmm. so that you don't go to the fridge and you don't eat. Mm -hmm. Intention is about staying. Your intention would be staying in the moment so that you don't create anxiety about the future and you don't go to the fridge. Whatever, whatever the underlying issue is that's causing them to eat when they don't need to eat mm -hmm. would be the intent, I think, for that session. Yeah, yeah. It's a that's a great word, intent. Mm -hmm. To me, it's a it's a very powerful energy. It's almost like trust and allow. <laughs> right. Intent is you know. See, think of intent, like they say, intent to kill. Mm -hmm. How's that one? So a person will go to jail as though they have killed somebody if they have an intention to kill. Right. If you and your wife are going to go buy a new house. And she says, oh, we'll put the couch there and the TV will go there. And you say, and we'll put that picture there. That's your house because that's called intent to purchase. Mm -hmm. Now, I believe, spiritually speaking, that the mortgage will go through because you've created the intent that that's your house. Your consciousness would not have trusted to design that room, metaphorically speaking, unless the intention knew somehow spiritually that you could have this house. That's intent to purchase. So that's where the intention comes in. It's yeah. It is your focus. This is your intention. Again, two words that go together. Well, and so you trust, you allow. <laughs> well, you, I don't know. Here, you, you create, allow, you, you trust, and you intent. Right. You create your intention. Yes. And then you trust that you're going to get it, and you allow it to happen through Good. the process. Good. And now we'll get to the, the other word, focus. In order for all of this to happen, wow. you have to focus. Never put things. them together before yeah. until you brought this up. Good. So, so focus. I always tell people when you're going when they're going into trance, when they're ready to experience hypnotic rhythm, I tell them that focus is not the lack of thoughts coming into your mind. Right, it happens. You, we, it, your mind purges itself, and all these weird thoughts will come into your head. All of a sudden, you'll be calming down and relaxing. And what am I going to cook for dinner? Will come in your. How am I going to get home? Who's going to pick up the kids? Right, that's very natural to happen during hypnosis. Mm -hmm. So focus, I say, is the ability to remove those thoughts from your mind when they come. Do not let your mind dwell on those thoughts, and do not let those thoughts dwell within your mind. It's to come back to your intention for the session, and to. Let those go away. That's focus. Talk about focus like professional athletes. Those are the guys who have the tunnel vision and they shut out the crowd of 40,000 people. Most normal people don't have the ability to have that kind of focus. 
they, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say they don't have the ability. We all have the ability to have that yes. kind of focus. But that takes a lot of they practice. Don't know how. Right. They don't know how. Exactly. So we start out with someone who's just experiencing a session in hypnosis for the first time. I always tell them, focus is your ability, again, to just don't allow your mind to dwell on the thoughts that come in and don't let those thoughts dwell within your mind as you're going through hypnosis. So I, I'm pausing because I'm thinking of something else that brings me back to hypnosis, and that is I've often said to people, you, you go to school to learn how to know something, but where do you go to learn how to feel something? So we could speak about focus and intent and trust and allow, but how do you learn those things? My, my thoughts are you learn those things through hypnosis because hypnosis shuts down the logical mind so the emotional mind can learn something new. So if a person smokes cigarettes, my first words, well, my first words are, why don't you want to quit? Right. But, but really I say to them, so you know what it feels like to crave a cigarette, yes? And they'll say, well, yeah. What you don't know is what it feels like to not crave a cigarette. So if they could learn that skill of not craving the cigarette, then they could choose to quit. So when you hypnotize somebody, you're teaching them a skill of subjective experience that they don't know. I was just going to say that's, th that's a comparison that you use very often, is that you're not hypnotizing someone. You're teaching, teaching them. them. Right. That's not treating, not treating. No. I don't like people who say, I would like you to treat me, to treat me for this anxiety. No, we don't even hypnotize people for anxiety. We hypnotize people to feel okay. Then they won't have anxiety. <laughs> so we, we talked about allowing yes. and focus. So, I, and I brought up my example of the client. So how would you recommend if someone has having a, a, an issue with focusing, how would you recommend that they can correct that? You, you told us how to create trust. How do you create focus? Yeah. I, learned a, I learned a term from a friend of mine many years ago. He was uh, actually chancellor at, uh, at Purdue University, and we spent a lot of time together many years ago discussing uh, subliminal suggestions. We spent a lot of time, how does the mind get quiet? And he used a phrase that I've often maintained and he called it overreactivity of the mind. And he speaks of overreactivity of the mind like a wheel. And you have a thought, and you bring that thought back. And you have another thought, and you bring that thought back. And each of these thoughts continually hook on to another thought. If we could quiet that activity, memorize that quiet, then we focus. As I sit here with you, my mind is focusing on you. S go ahead. I was just going to say, say that again, because I think it's very important if you can. What did Qui I say? <laughs> quieting <laughs> your mind. So, so you have the wheel. Quieting your mind, right. yeah. Okay. So overreactivity of the mind, I draw this. When, when I have an individual sitting in my office, I draw this on paper, and I draw this funnel. Mm -hmm. And I say the base of the funnel is focusing. Dr. John Knapp created that wording that's called selective concentration. I like that because selective concentration is selectively focusing on your desire, your intent. So at the top of the funnel where 
you are and I am, this person listening to us is, there are many, many thoughts, many thoughts. We have visual thoughts that are of this room, things in our peripheral vision. We have a thought, there's an itch on our face. We have a thought of moving my hand subconsciously. So then when you learn to do self-hypnosis, you gradually quiet the thoughts down to the point where the client opens their eyes and says, I think I fell asleep. No, they didn't. They just stopped thinking. Mm-hmm. So in, in Leslie LeCron's book, we spoke of that one. That's mm-hmm. one of my first books, and you picked up on it. He speaks of maniodism, singular thought, emotions, or feelings. Singular. Could we have one thought? It's an interesting feeling. I recommend this. You're just falling asleep at night if you sleep well. And you could hear the TV on in the other room, but you can't make out what they're saying, not because you can't hear it, but because your mind is beginning to focus to sleep. And now you're almost there and you can't feel your body. So now you've focused away from tactile sensations. You've focused away from audible sensations. Your eyes are closed. You're falling into sleep. Capture that moment. There's focus. I just made that up, but that's a good example. Well well said. Yeah. You're good on the spot, Larry. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Somebody says, how'd you know that, Larry? I just made it up. Your explanation made me think of uh, someone's explanation. Again, I I apologize. I don't remember who said this. It was a book or, or something that I read or saw. And it was, what is trance and what is hypnosis? And it is where more of your focus is internal than external. So you're focusing more on your the way you're breathing, on your thoughts, on what's inside of you, than you're focusing on things in the outside world. I always thought that was a good example. Good example, because if, if you close your eyes, you visually immediately shut down outside. Right. Just close your eyes. Mm-hmm. But you still have the activity. Oh, I got to pay that telephone bill. Is that door locked? Will my car start? Oh, shut up. Right. Relax. Right. And so this is something I really didn't want to get into. I think it's going to take us away uh, from the other two words because you can go so deep with this. But it's something that I think we need to recognize and touch on at this point because of the conversation we're having. Resistance. All of these issues that we're discussing is different ways that the mind creates resistance to the change they're not creating resistance to the hypnosis they're creating resistance to the change yes you want to talk about that a little bit boy i sure do i sure do uh, craig i go back in history and and this is this is where i feel proud of who i am is that i've been doing this for many years i've always been a little bit of a uh, i don't want to call it a radical but i'm thinking outside the box continually and many years ago, I have, you know, I have, I was thinking about you today. I have so many videos of presentations I've done from the 70s and 80s, classes I've done. And one thing I used to speak of a lot in the 70s and 80s, these words, if hypnosis is so great, why doesn't it always work? Well, at that time, we didn't know the term secondary gain. Mm-hmm. But I said, because of resistance. The more the person wants to quit smoking, the more they don't want to quit smoking. The more they want to lose weight, the more they don't want to lose weight. I spoke to somebody just yesterday, and I said, what do you think it would feel like if you look in the mirror one day and your nose is bigger? 
and your eyes change their colors, and your lips look different, and all of a sudden your, your eyebrows are bigger, you'd start freaking out. Well, take a person who's losing weight, and they weigh 190 pounds, and then they look in the mirror a week later, and they're 170, and then they're 150. They're not the same person they were at 190. No wonder they gained the weight back. So resistance is this inability to allow, to allow this change. Resistance is secondary gain. When I say to the smoker, when he walks in and I say, or she walks in, I say, so tell me, why don't you want to quit smoking? And they, they get shocked. They say, of course I do. That's why I'm here. No, of course you don't. That's why you're here. Right. If you wanted to quit smoking, you would have quit. You didn't need to come and spend money to sit and talk to a hypnotist. Right. Wonderful yeah, way of thinking yeah. of it. Yeah, I do. I yeah. do think of it like that. That's, so resistance to me has always been a very strong energy. If hypnosis is so great, why doesn't it always work? It will. It will. If you could eliminate resistance, maybe with trust and allow. Mm -hmm. If you could eliminate resistance, and, and I've watched you do this. You know, I'm very impressed with you. I I say this to you, and I say it to this person listening to us. I'm impressed with you, what you've picked up right away, how you've moved with it, and what you're doing with it. So now you learn about resistance. Uh, I couldn't think of a better person to sit and do a podcast with, otherwise I would have done one years ago. Well, so I appreciate that. Yeah, Thank I you. appreciate you. Thanks, thanks for waiting for yeah, me, Larry. Yeah, I waited. <laughs> so, yes, remove resistance, and you'll always have success. And this takes us back to the, the reference you made to Joseph Murphy's book in the last last podcast is when it becomes reversed effort, mm -hmm. reverse or reversed effort. Yeah, he called it the law of reverse effect. Mm -hmm. Reverse yeah. effect, okay. And he talks about it a couple different times in a couple of different ways. You always use the example of don't think of an elephant. As yeah. soon as you say don't think of an elephant, you can't. The more you try to not think of the elephant, the more you think yeah. of an elephant. So it's almost that way. The more you try to, to quit smoking or to lose weight, the the more the neg the reverse happens. I agree. Right. That's why we become addicted. I think we become addicted because we don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. I I remember studying about the addiction to heroin, and the addiction to heroin wasn't the addiction to the drug. It was the addiction to not wanting to go through the withdrawals. Wow. So that's that's a serious <laughs> thought there. Right. 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 And the way you describe the changes to the face, physical changes, and how you would consciously be freaking out. Yeah, freaking out. Yeah. Think of how the subconscious mind is reacting to, you're making changes into your brain, oh. right? When you are improving, when you're taking away mm -hmm. a smoking habit or you're, you're taking away eating habit or you're taking away a fear, yeah. the brain, the subconscious mind might freak mm -hmm. out and say, whoa, this, this isn't how, this isn't how sure. my brain works. This isn't how it's been in here for years. So it may have an initial resistance. Look how well we ride on each other because as you said that, I thought, yeah, I hadn't thought about it the same way, but you're right. So the unconscious or subconscious mind says this is the way I've always done it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't know what's right or wrong. It knows what I've done the longest to be the strongest. Right. right. So now this is what I know for 40 years I've been smoking these cigarettes. For 40 years I've been overweight, and now you're going to tell me I'm not? I can't deal with the change. You're right. right. That was good, Craig. That was it, good. For 40 years I've been afraid of going at high places, or whatever you're, it is, and it's changing. Mm. Just like it would be changing your appearance, yeah. you're changing something yeah. within you. 
So that's important mm. to consider. And uh, we, I think we both just discovered yeah. that that thought as we were sp yeah. speaking here. So that's great. Wonderful. Somebody told me recently about forcing the person to do something uncomfortable to make them comfortable. They used to be aversion techniques. That used to be uh, a way of training a person to remove a fear by gradually creating the fear. Why don't we just relax it? Mm -hmm. I heard someone say the other day that life begins when you begin to be uncomfortable. That that's where real living is. When you're, when you're comfortable in living within your life, that's not really living. True living is when you expand it. So I'm not living right now. You're not afraid of much. <laughs> so I just, that was just something. I'm comfortable is what I say. You know, yeah. Somebody asked me, how are you but doing? I'm doing good. But you're comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. And I'm also comfortable because I've lived through the discomforts. I love mm -hmm. sitting with the individual in my office that I've been there. Mm -hmm. And now with this recent issue with healing from cancer, I love it that I've gone through cancer. And now when a person sits down and says, I've got this serious disease, I've got cancer, I had a stroke or whatever, I could relate to them. That's called empathy. That is true empathy, yeah. going yeah. back to empathy. I'm there. And you trusted that you were going to heal. Without a doubt. And you allowed your yeah. body and your mind to work together to create that healing, along with therapies, chemotherapies and Western medicine, Right, you and Chinese medicine. and Chinese med and Eastern medicine, but I'm saying it wasn't just. You're, we're not. Hey, don't go to the doctor. Just think you're going to be well. Not that's not the message from us. The it message was from the us. Message of my mind to be okay with what they told me to do. To yeah. accept yeah. all of the treatments yeah. that were coming into your yes. body as helping you. Yes. Right? Yes. I, I think about words, you know, and we were using some interesting words, and my mind spaced for a minute, and it'll come back to me, but. Uh, this podcast is good. It's good because we're rambling and we don't have a script. We're just speaking from the seat of our pants or the top of our head, however it works, and it's coming out. This individual listening to us is learning a lot today. We're learning a lot. I'm <laughs> learning a lot. And that, that's, like you said, we, I do have some notes. I do have an outline and some things that we want to get to. Sometimes we get to them, sometimes we don't. We're already over our hour that we usually try to keep to or that we will try to keep to. But I, I want to get to these last two words that I think are very important to not use, right? So try is a word try. that as soon as you say try, won't do it. you're implying to your mind that there is a possibility of failure. Whenever you say... I'm having a party next week. Larry, are you going to stop by on Saturday I'll, night? I'll try to be there. What does that mean? You ain't coming, right? That's what that means. Yeah. So try, it, it almost gives the excuse of failure yeah. to the mind. It implies it. Yes. We, so last, last month we were doing our podcast. You sent me a text message. Ah, I've got some things going on. Let's move it. Let's move the recording. And then you replied a few minutes later, no, that's just my subconscious mind trying to create resistance call, call awareness right so and and yeah. and that yeah. is it was the same thing try yeah it's, it's they're connected yes let's try to do the podcast no yeah and then when, when we immediately so the word try when you put the word try in there it gives you that ability to say oh well, I'll, I'll try 
I'll try to be there. And then you find the reason not to. Yeah. If I say I'll do my best, mm -hmm. that might work. Right. I, I really attempt to refrain from using words that will contaminate my subconscious mind. It doesn't mean I'm pure. It just means that my awareness has become superior to my language of myself. So I do, I do choose, I do choose somehow unconsciously at times to say, that won't work, not mm -hmm. often. I'll try to do that. I do occasionally slip that in for some reason, not sure of why, but when I do, I have a stronger awareness to when I used to do it regularly. When I used to do it regularly and I said, I'll try to be there, I didn't know that I was just bullshitting around, that I probably wouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. I really believed that I was going to be there. I'll try and be at your party. But it didn't resonate. But it resonated at that time because who we are is how we see this world. And what we see is how it feels of what we're looking at. So the subconscious mind accepts things Literally. Literally. And this is something that we'll talk about in a lot of other podcasts when we get mm -hmm. to organ language and things mm -hmm. like that, that you have a, an amazing take on. But when you say something, the subconscious mind, I can't live, or you just have to live with this disease. I have to learn to live with it. Yeah. That that's means I'll die if I don't have it. Correct. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's fast for me, but it's used continually. You, the, the medical person says you're going to have to learn to live with this. You they say, just, you just say that out loud, yeah. and people are like, what? Th that's crazy. That's yeah. how the subconscious mind connects. That's how it, that's how yeah, it hears right, things. Right, you're right, you're right, Craig, because you're right. I say it out loud, and you're listening to me, and you say, well, that's silly. No, it's not. The conscious mind says it's silly. Uh -uh, yeah, not no. the subconscious mind. Subconscious mind says, I won't, if I don't have this disease, I will die. So now they would subconsciously will do everything they can to maintain an absence of healing. Right. Right, because it, it, yeah. it needs, it, I don't know if that would be necessarily a secondary game, but in some ways it is a secondary game because the subconscious thinks it needs it. We, it crea we created a secondary game by fearing dying. Mm -hmm. Now what if we stop fearing death? Ooh. Ooh. That's another topic for one of your podcasts. Have I learned how not to fear death? I think I have. I think I have. I've been in situations in Baghdad with these two guys in Aurora going through cancer for a year. Uh, I think I've going through many transfusions. I mentioned that the yeah. first time one day, transfusions. Why do they give you transfusions? Because they think you're going to die. Oh, wonder what it's like to die. I don't want to know. I love life. I love life. I, but I'm not fearful of dying. That's a difference. I'm going to choose to live the best I can. And you've heard me say, anybody who knows me has heard me say, I got a gift this morning. Mm -hmm. I woke up. Right. Now, what am I going to do with that gift? I am going to saturate that gift. I'm here with you right now later in the day. I walked my dog Jack for two and a half miles earlier today. I was putting the wheel on my bike first time in three years early. So I really took advantage of that gift. Yeah. And it's going to continue. And you're here sharing this wonderful knowledge that oh you have God, with over 50 years of experience with the person listening to us right now. Thank you. 
Mm-hmm. This is good. I, I, so I know we're over, and I know we're gonna we're gonna close out in just a minute. But I wanted to finish uh, out a couple of thoughts. How you last night you and I were speaking about how being a hypnotist makes you a better person, and I said it definitely makes you aware of being a better person. And my wife and I were talking about this this morning on, on a different level. It's it's Ken Kai's book. If you if you if you uh, have never read that, you should give it a look. It's a little outdated. It's from the 70s. Mm-hmm. But it was my first mentor to learn two things. Live the moment and love myself unconditionally. That's my goal. And he gives 12 pathways? Oh, yeah, 12 pathways, yeah. And the first three yeah. are basically, correct me if I'm wrong, because I read the book a while ago, me too. are basically about awareness. Mm-hmm. It's not action. Mm-hmm. It's becoming aware of when you're doing this. And you mentioned this. I don't live perfectly, and I, I try not to use the word try. But uh, I did that on purpose, everyone. But that's what it is. The first step is about awareness. You're not going to be great over it. I, I, I work on myself every single day. You've been doing this for 51 years with an amazing awareness. And you work on yourself every single day. So the first step to anyone listening to us, to creating change, to creating improvement in your life, to being a better person, to not taking uh, frustration or aggravation with you into life, is to be aware of the moments when that happens. And then the second step is to correct that when you are aware of it. But first, there's awareness. Do you remember the seven centers of consciousness he spoke of? I do. Yes. Now, the pathways weren't always my cup of tea, Mm -hmm. as the expression would go. I wonder where that came from. Mm -hmm. But the seven centers of consciousness. Now, I took this course in 1979 with my great friend Laurie at the time. It was a great class. And I learned the seven centers of consciousness so deep in my brain that from 1979, I still remember them because I lived them. And what you're speaking of, of awareness, was the sixth center of consciousness. And it was a consciousness center of Mm self-awareness. However, according to Kankai's, to achieve that level, you had to start first with the first center of consciousness of security. Mm-hmm. That's feeling fearful, insecure, unworthy, whatever we thought. Next center, the consciousness center of, uh, of power. That's anger. I'm going to do it my way. And the next center was consciousness center of sensations. I'm speeding through them. Of sensations, tapping your feet on the floor tapping your fingers, smoking too much, eating too much, any kind of sensation. And the fourth center became the power. That was a consciousness center of unconditional love. First to love yourself before you could love anyone else. That's powerful. I couldn't get that at first until I took his course. How do we love ourselves more than we love others, especially if we were raised Catholic? Especially if we were raised with, you don't want to go around liking yourself, kid, because others will think you're conceited. You don't want other people to dislike you, do you? So you can't like yourself because they'll dislike you if you like yourself. Well, that's kind of ass backwards. <laughs> See, so, so who likes somebody that doesn't like themselves? But that's the way we were taught. So love ourselves. If I can just interrupt you yeah, for one second, because there was one other note that I had that I didn't get to earlier yes, in the first 20 minutes. You, and this ties into it. Judgment, you said in the first podcast. Judgment is feeling bad about yourself and who you are. 
and that's why you judge other people because you have to say, oh, you know, that's my belief. I, I dress better than them. They, mm -hmm. they don't dress well. I dress better. Yeah. And that ties into what you were just saying mm -hmm. about the consciousness. How about self-judgment? Yeah. Right. You have to love yourself first. You have to love yourself, and that helps you not to judge someone else. That's right. Mm -hmm. I think so. I See, as we speak, Craig, realize we both have read other people's information. I was saying to Mike recently, who takes care of things, I said, Mike, did you ever wish you could invent something nobody else has or think of a phrase that nobody else has? Well, that's what we're doing, Craig. We're taking what we've learned from others. We're adding to it. And this podcast is about you and myself adding to what we think will work in life. And people could contradict us. I, we could get some academic genius. And I, I just mentioned my great friend who's now gone, Dr. John Tucker, who was chancellor of Purdue University. I always think of him and some of the things we got through. He says, it's amazing what you think, and we weren't taught that way. He'd tell me that, and we studied subliminal a lot. You know subliminal hypnosis? I've never we'll, experienced we'll it. We'll cover that sometime. Okay. That's when you don't hear what you're hearing. Ah. Subliminal, that you don't hear what you're hearing. He had a great phrase. If you're not hearing it, and you don't know what you're hearing, why are you listening to it? Boy, that's oh deep. We, yeah, we. we that's we deep. But speaking of not hearing, so yeah. I'm going to take that deep thought, segue. and I'm, I'm going to segue it to our last word, so that we can not, yes, not, not and don't. Right? Those are two words that we spoke about. How how I speak to my son. Mm. Don't jump on the couch. Beautiful. Don't Tell us about that. Don't say hey, don't jump I on the couch. I admire that. I wish I would have known that when my boys were young. Hey, buddy, jump on the ground. Hey, buddy, let's jump on the ground. Don't mm. say don't jump on the couch. Give you've, an alternative. You've yeah, give an alternative. You've said this many times. The amount of times that we hear in our lives, don't, can't, not. By the time we're five years old, we have been we've had so many of those negative terms and it's not mm. meant to be bad. Don't jump on the couch because I don't want you to hurt yourself, right? Could be. But or I don't want it to get dirty. Right. So it's 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 not ill intention to tell someone don't jump on the couch, but it it's the negative that we hear so often that is ingrained in us that mm. puts us in a different pathway to life yeah i, I have a good i'm sorry i was just i told you the other day that i found myself like my son he's a climber and when he's climbing and things i say to him you're gonna get hurt you're gonna fall and i've i've caught myself doing this the last couple months and now i'm trying to say to him again because i've created this awareness of it if you do that this may happen because i think if you say don't climb on that, you're going to fall. Now you've put into the subconscious mind. Again, the subconscious mind takes everything. Literally, even at the age of two years old, three years old, we've put in their mind they're going to fall. Even if you don't proceed with don't. Mm -hmm. If you just say, you're going to fall. Right. Yeah, this is yeah. This is a little different. You're going to fall. Yeah, the mind's going to go in there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to fall. Right. But we want for him to grow up knowing he could get on the ladder safely to clean those gutters in some home he has in the Correct. future. Correct. Right. You want him to make it. My, my cousin always says this. You want your children to have the uh, information they need to make a good decision. He always says to his kids, I want you to make a good decision. And he's got five and seven year olds. And that's the way I am now approaching the way I speak to my son. 
is I want him to have the information, but I don't want it. I don't want it to be negative. It, it's not, you know, oh, go do whatever you want. It's not structured, mm. but it's not negative talk. Negative talk in our life, negative talk in our mind happens so often that it takes us away. It, it creates that a resistance to change. It creates a resistance to trying. All, all negative creates resistance, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. So that's just something, and again, that, that's off a tangent a little bit. What I really want to talk about is the word not and don't, and I want to use a very good example that people in Chicago will love. Kevin Butler, the old Bears kicker, always said, I never tell myself, don't pull it to the left, don't pull it to the left, or don't pull it to the right when he was kicking the ball because the mind, the subconscious mind, doesn't hear the don't. It just hears the... He said that. Yeah. He said, so he said, he never said don't because it doesn't hear the don't. So he would always tell himself, you know, hit it centered. Whatever you do in life, if you're throwing darts or if you're throwing a baseball, don't. The mind doesn't hear the don't. Then why do we still use it in our society? I have a few friends in my life who will say, you don't want a glass of water, do you? What they really mean is, do you want a glass of water? But they start it with, you don't want to have dinner now, do you? What do you think of that? Is that to, is that because they really don't want to? Is that no, go back to try? No, it's their way of speaking. Mm -hmm. They are saying to you, would you like to have dinner? Would you like a glass of water? Would you like to go to the show? Would you like to do this? But they, re they rephrase it by saying, you don't want to eat, do you? Do you think that they do that subconsciously to prepare themselves for a rejection? To prepare Could themselves be. for negative Could stuff? be. Could be, because I think of one that comes to me often. Are you home? Now, why are they asking if I'm home? Because the next question is going to be, I have something for you, and I want to drop it off. But if I'm not home, they won't say that. Right. Uh, I know this. I observe this. I observe people without criticism, without judgment. I'm speaking of information. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just speaking with information. This, mm -hmm. And I might share about your don't and can't and we, before we leave. We could go on forever. We can. We're 20 minutes over already. Okay. And we're, we're, we're going to try and do, just so you know, when we do go over, we're going to try and break this podcast into 20-minute segments. Five of them. <laughs> five 20-minute so segments to make an hour. The when, I first, work. when I first got Jack, my dog, he was a terror. He was, he was on the streets, and he was wild, and he, he was not... He was only about less than a year old. So I took him for dog training, Mike said to me. Can I interrupt you yes, real quick? Yes. For those who don't know Jack, and most of the people, the person listening to the podcast will not know Jack. Jack is the most chill, relaxed dog in the world. He, he just goes along with everything, right? And he says goodbye and, to people. Yeah. And he says hello to people. He greets people here. Mm -hmm. I bring them to, with me to, to work. So, so they, yes. But so Jack wasn't like that. Right. So that's why I wanted to he bring He bit him. me the first day I had okay. him. Okay. Yeah. And he was very aggressive to everybody. He was very. I tried to give him away. I sent out 300 emails. Do you want a dog? Nobody wanted him. <laughs> so Mike says, take him to dog training. So I went to some dog training program at the barking lot of all places. Barking lot. And this instructor taught us, and his words were, avoid using the word no to your dog. And I said to him, well, Dogs don't know words. They doesn't know what no means. He says, no, but you do, and your energies are saying to him, no. And I thought that was interesting. So I don't say, excuse me, I don't say. I refrain from saying no to Jack. Yes. I, 
I refrained from having, in my opinion, using the word to Jack, no. What I do is I go, ah, ah, and he stops. I just make the noise, ah, ah, <laughs> right? And that gets his attention. And that and it gets my attention. And it keeps you in a positive state. That's right. Because you're not saying it. It's, That's right. It's what the subconscious mind and the mind has. Did I tell you last night about how dogs, how who dogs listen to in the household? You did tell me, <laughs> and I know. But now that you've said it, you got to say. Even though we're we're 20 minutes over, I've now read, you have to tell the story because we had a lot of people unhappy that right? you you mentioned a story in the first podcast and didn't tell it. Oh. So please now go ahead and tell. This. So I read this recently, and I thought how accurate this is. A person could intimidate a dog. I don't like these people who are cruel to animals. I, it, it really sensitizes me. So they could kick the dog, they could yell at the dog, and the dog will listen through intimidation. So will people. However, this article I read was so profound, and it says the dog listens to who is the most calm in the household. Ooh, that's an interesting thought. Right. It may follow the instructions yeah. of the person who is the loudest or the most controlling, but it will identify with and follow yes. follow yes. the person who's the most calm, the calmest energy in the mm. household. Is that correct? Yes. That's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. It, it will do what intimidator tells them to do from mm -hmm. fear, but it will do from love what the calm person mm -hmm shows them that's that's why i think jack listens to me first off he lives with just me and nobody else but the real issue is my calmness is his calmness mm -hmm. that's what he knows yeah i know we could end it but i just mentioned we were talking earlier about my great friend pinky who owns settlers pond everybody needs to look up settlerspond.org she has 400 animals that she has rescued she's a vet she has rescued these animals, many kinds of animals. And these aren't dogs and cats? No. She has Just one, dogs and cats. one of three licenses in the United States to have exotic animals. Mm -hmm. So she has exotic animals, mm -hmm. many camels and ostriches and tortoises and alligators and giraffe. giraffes. Well, mm -hmm. she has a giraffe, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, but I say this because these animals, these wild animals, listen to her. She is such a calm being. She is such a loving soul, but I've seen these camels listen to her. I've observed her speaking to these ostriches. I don't know if you've ever come up to an ostrich. They're a little bit mean and aggressive sometimes. She goes, now calm down. Everything will be okay. And they calm down. Is that a form of empathy? Living empathy where they feel your, their, your calmness? They feel maybe, your love? Maybe, uh, maybe animals have empathy. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? I that believe so. I'm trying yeah. to. I'm trying to connect all of our mm. thoughts together mm. for our final thought. Yeah. But we got into working. many today, didn't we? We did. We you went could edit to this down places. to about ten segments if you'd like. But yeah. So I think that what we're going to try to do is, especially when we go over, we, Larry and I were speaking yeah. before the podcast about how important it is to speak to the listener, and you learned a great lesson yeah. from Arthur Godfrey. Arthur Godfrey. <laughs> That's a name from the past. Yeah. Yeah. About speaking to. The one individual listening. Yeah. Yes. So we're going to create uh, segments where the one individual, especially lots of people are walking, driving. Mm -hmm. You don't have an hour and a half. We're not Joe Rogan. We know you're not mm -hmm. going to listen to us for three and a half hours. But uh, we're going to break down the podcast with those little breaks that are in between. Those are to break up the segments so that you can listen to them in different parts at different times. And we try to make them about 30 or 20 minutes each, especially today when we went uh, 20 minutes over. But there was so much that to talk about. That was 20 about. minutes ago when you said that. 
<laughs> we spoke about so many good things. Any final thoughts? You just did a wonderful podcast about daydreaming. You have your, yeah. your YouTube videos. Yes. Yeah, so I have these YouTube videos, and you can look them up under Larry Garrett's videos, and, and I did one on daydreaming. But let's conclude like this is a good way, Craig. How about if the person that's listening to us, the individual who has received something, pros or cons, connect with us. Send mm -hmm. us a note. Uh, you could put a like on there, a big deal. I like you. But send us a note. That makes a big deal to me. I want to hear. I, my, my ego does not need to hear fi 55 likes and no right. dislikes. What I need to really hear is that we've reached you. Mm-hmm. Leave a comment. Tell us what you like, what you don't like about it. If there's something that you want more information on, feel free to contact us. Mm -hmm. uh, our contact information is on the Garrett Wellness Center website. You can go there. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're not trying to make you clients. We are just trying to expose you to the experience and the power of hypnosis, either as a hypnotist or as a client or, or doing self-hypnosis. -hyp self hypnosis has changed our lives. It can change your life, and we're just trying to share that with you so that you understand that and, and utilize it to make your life better. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. All right. I'll see you next month. We'll see you next month with our new topic. We're Bye. gonna. I think next time we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about the blueprints of hypnosis. We're gonna mm -hmm. take you through a little bit of what to expect when you when you're experiencing hypnosis. We'll talk about that next time. We again hope that you'll join us then. And until then, be well. And stay focused. Change your rhythm. Change your life. Hypnotic Rhythm Podcast.